and we're live. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the third ever episode of the DeMartin Download. As always, Ian Gilmore joined alongside by Adam Baker. And Adam, uh, this episode this week, man, we have so much to talk about and so many games going on that we're going to preview. Oh, I love it. I just love it. Yeah, no, it's a big time going into FBC for all soccer around. Really going to justify the fact that we've already been here for 45 minutes setting it up. <laughs> we've had a little uh, technical difficulties going on this morning. We're trying to get a special guest on the line, and we, we've finally figured out a way to do it. So uh, don't worry. You'll hear from him later on. We don't want to give it away just yet. You'll gotta you'll have to stick around to find out who it is. But, I mean, huge episode. So many awesome matchups to preview. Uh, we're incorporating some new elements in our third episode. We've got some uh, sound bites from head coach Damon Rensing of MSU Soccer and, as we said, We've got our special guest on the line, so you'll have to stick around and wait for that. First guest of the show. And always, as we do, we'll go men's soccer, women's soccer at MSU, and then we'll go all around the world, and dang, the professional soccer lineup this week is just stacked. We have Champions League, Premier League, Bundesliga, MLS. I mean, you name it, we're talking about it. Nice. Good stuff. It's good stuff. It's going to be a stressful one. So we'll get going right away. We have no MSU women's soccer this week because their season wrapped up. We recapped it last week. So if you want to go check out the recap, go check out last week's episode. But we'll start with MSU men's soccer. It's postseason time. Before we get into talking about postseason, let's talk a little bit about the last game of the regular season. Indiana lost 1-0. Indiana, arguably the best team in the Big Ten. They proved it um, by winning the Big Ten championship for the second year in a row with a win in that game against Michigan State. And... This is a game that you really didn't expect to be a 1-0 Indiana game. Uh, once it started playing out, that was kind of what it was playing out to be. But we talk about these losses this year, and a lot of them have been one-goal losses. I think there's, what, seven or eight have probably been one. Actually, I, I think there's nine, nine of them. Because I only remember two that were more than one goal. It was Akron and Penn State, and the rest Michigan, of them. And then Michigan. And Michigan. So, so eight. Eight of the 11 losses were by one goal. But this one, it was a one-goal loss, but it just felt different, I think. We talked about it after a game. It just felt different. You felt a lot better about Michigan State leaving DeMartin than, than you had any other game before, I think. Just because I think even though they didn't score any goals, maybe the best performance of the season so far. I want to get your thoughts, though, Adam. Yeah, because it's been like through the season, it seemed like they always had a hard time getting chances in games they're losing without overcommitting forward. And it feels like this is the first time they really managed to take over stretches of a game. They were down. Didn't really have to, you know, change up their style too much. They just began to dominate the match, which is something we weren't able to see very often. And why comebacks have been at a minimum for them this year. And even though they didn't get it, there there is a lot of good signs in that one. And especially against a team like Indiana that is so good in year in and year out. And I think the the biggest thing for Michigan State was they even I know they didn't score, but they made problems going forward. And that's that's a big thing because Indiana is always so good, so organized, and they communicate so well at the back. I think that back line is one of the best in college soccer just because they always are so organized and just so solid in the back. Every one of those guys along the back line for the Hoosiers almost seems like they were they were a center mid and they converted 
to like wherever they are now just because they're so good with their feet, which is something I think is really underrated with, with a defender, especially in college. The fact that they can play out from the back and they're so good with their feet that they're not just going in on tackles and then laying it off to some center mid, letting them do the work. They take the work on themselves. I remember there was one run near the end of the game where I think it was, I think it was Spencer Glass, the dude that looks like a man. It was when it was uh when who was it? I think it was him and Johnny Ferry, where it was just like a man and a boy next to him. But there was one he made a run down the line, 90th minute, and everyone's gassed, everyone's dead. This man hasn't come off the park because he never does, because he has lungs of steel. And he just makes a lung busting run down the side and just ices the game, takes it to the corner, runs a minute and a half off the clock, and next thing you know, Indiana's Big Ten champions. But that being said, I think Michigan State showed really good signs in this games. In this game, really bright signs going forward. And I know that they only have three wins on the season, but you feel just about as confident in them now as you were last year, just because the way they ended slow last year. And I mean, they didn't exactly end hot this year, but compared to the beginning of the season last year, it was a lot worse way to end the season last year than it was this year. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's weird to look at the team and see that they've lost their last four games of the season because it hasn't necessarily felt like that. Right. Does, definitely doesn't feel like it. And I guess for the Indiana game, the goal coming the way it did, whether it was a penalty or not, just like that little miscue in the box, give, it a, give away the penalty. And other than that open goal Indiana missed with like 10 minutes left or whatever, that was really their only chance to score in the game. And Michigan State had the majority. But... It it is the last time of the season you can really look for moral victories. Yes. So we're, we need the team definitely they, completely. You know they have to they have to build off it going into this rematch with Michigan. There's no more moral victories because it's from this point it's it's win or you're done. So moving into Michigan, great segue, Adam. Uh, we want to hear from Damon Rensing real quick. Uh, we talked to him yesterday. Um, last year they had they they didn't finish so hot. No wins in their last four. They only scored one goal in their last four. And then they went on this run to the College Cup where they won. I don't even – can't do the math right now, but they won a lot of games in a row. And I think what was really important for them last year was that break that they got. Like they got this year is it's just everyone – Damon always Damon Renton always preaches it. It's everyone 0-0. Everyone is – no wins, no losses. It's a new season. So we talked about that to him this week, and we talked about Michigan to him as well. So take a listen to this. We're hoping. Um, you know, I think this time of year – uh, it's kind of a fun time of year, you know. Um, it can be a little bittersweet, but you know, I think the players are excited. Um, we got a new new lease on the season. Everybody's zero and zero, and so I think the guys are kind of ready to go. How do you prepare for a team like Michigan, who has so many weapons offensively? Yeah, I think you know we'll just kind of keep trying to improve the things that we're doing. Have a work out a couple of, a couple of wrinkles that I'm not going to announce to the media, <laughs> and then. Um, uh, and, and, and be ready to go. I think you know we've seen the good thing is we saw them last week, so we know what they're about. They certainly do have some good players. I think what's underrated is they they don't give up goals. Um, everybody talks about their scoring, but Shaka's done a good job of uh, also not giving goals up. So, um, but we just played in their stadium, you know, less than a week a week ago tonight. So um, that's that's good. It's a good matchup. So that's Damon Rensing and his thoughts on uh, the upcoming Michigan game. And I mean, I asked, we asked him about the, the offensive side of it, and then, you know, he kind of took it a different direction, just how good they are defensively. And uh, first, I, I do want to talk about 
um, the offensive side of things because they have so many weapons. It's just it, 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 it almost boggles your mind just how many weapons they have uh, going forward. Nabosa Popovich has been insane this year. He's got 10 goals and 3 assists. Jack Hallahan, as good as he ever was, I mean, he scored a brace and had a, I think he had a brace of assists against Maryland is in one game. Uh, Derek Broch going forward, he has, he's got five goals this season. And then they just have guys that can pop up out of nowhere. Zaki, uh, Mark Abara hasn't scored yet, but he has eight assists. It's kind of like he's kind of like a Giuseppe Baroni type player. Uh, Jackson Reagan, even though he's a center back, has scored two goals and he's got three assists. So this this Michigan team can kind of just hit you out of nowhere, really, or out of anywhere, sort of thing. And that's so difficult to defend against. I think I think we got to touch on that first, just how difficult they are to defend against. Yeah, and they're all coming into the into the match in form. Popovich had the two against Michigan State. Hallahan had the two against Indiana. Broch and Zeki got on the score in that one, on the score sheet in that one. And it just, it just, it was nonstop attacking when we were in Ann Arbor watching that game. And always, a majority of it down the right hand side with Hallahan. Popovich always the target in the middle. And it's just hard to defend a team with so many options up top that you don't really know where the focus is going to be. And and when they can come out of it. Just how dynamic they are and how many weapons they have, it's just crazy. But let's talk about the other side, too, the one that Damon was talking about, how just how good they are defensively. They've only given up 14 goals in 17 games. That's pretty crazy. And I mean, they had this guy, uh, Andrew Verde, between the posts, who was just doing awesome. And then he gets hurt, and a true freshman comes in. Owen Finnerty comes in. Granted, he played for DCFC this summer. Uh, he played for D- or Detroit Catholic Central in high school, which is always good. Um, but this kid has just come out of nowhere and turned himself into an animal. Like I, I don't know if you saw his save against Maryland, Adam, but it made the NCAA soccer top plays of the week. He's a baller, man. Yeah, and especially with like how how rare he's tested, how often he isn't tested. I'll just say since I can't think right now, it's. He's a good goalie to have, and then with that great defense in front of him, he's not going to give up the odd shot. So it's, it's, it's a tough team to play against on both ends. So Michigan State in that game last week got kind of got outplayed, really. Uh, and it was it was the first time they they used that 3-5-2, 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it. And they've been working out kinks since. And uh, I can't play it because I couldn't find it. Um, but Dame, Damon Rensing said that they, they are, are putting some new wrinkles in that he can't reveal to the media. Um, but they're changing things up. They're working through this new formation. Do you think that that'll be a big thing going into this game? Do you think it'll look a lot different when they hit the pitch? Look, like, formation-wise, no, I think it'll look the same. I just think it's going to probably work smoother. And I think it's gotten better every single half they've done it. They only did it for the last two games. The first half against Michigan was kind of shaky. Second half looked better. Both halves of the Indiana game looked kind of nice. So I think they're really just kind of figuring out everyone's roles. Going to three center backs is kind of different. Wing backs is a little bit of an adjustment to make and play everyone else being more narrow. So I don't know exactly what the necessarily the wrinkles are. If you had to guess. Because I've been racking my brain and trying to figure out what they are, and I just can't think. I, I don't know if it's tactical or, or if he's going to take guys out and put some guys in we haven't really seen this season. If maybe I don't know, Kellen Landefeld is one guy that, that came in the beginning of the season that hasn't really played towards the end, but it would be odd seeing him coming in as a true freshman and just throwing him in. Maybe having Big Ten the, tournament game. 
having the midfielders drop more to let Sterenberg and Olu kind of act as like more true wingers mm. for the offense because we've seen like Pimlot drift out wide a lot. Yeah, and that's not something we're used to. Yeah, especially recently, he's almost been playing more of an attacking center mid role, and honestly, sometimes, like you said, he gets out wide enough that you almost think he's a winger. And it, yeah, it's something we're not accustomed to throughout yeah. the season. So maybe yeah, letting them get further forward. Pressing higher, pre- dropping lower. I don't know exactly. Yeah, it's hard to tell. We will see, though, on Sunday. Um, and one other thing I thought from the first game was... It, it, Damon Rensing might disagree, but it, I don't really think MSU looked like they were going to score at all. I think maybe in the in that second half, Connor George had a chance that went off the post, and that was about as close as they came. But the bright thing about that is I think Indiana's defense is markedly better than Michigan's and they were a lot more dangerous against Indiana than they were previous against Michigan and I think it helps too it'll it'll, granted it'll help Michigan as well but you've already seen this team like they've seen each other like Damon Renson said you don't have to go watch film again right they're fresh in your mind you know exactly what you have to fix flip side of it though is Michigan knows what they have to fix too so that they don't get sprung up on by Michigan State yeah to them not scoring very often I was looking at the stats when you were talking about Michigan's backup goalie and saw that he had zero saves to make in that one. But, yeah, I wonder how it's like how Michigan will necessarily treat the game because I don't think you leave that the initial game thinking you really had any flaw in the match. So I don't know if you approach it the same exact way or like how do you how they're going to anticipate what State's about to do differently this time. So, I mean, they're in a streak, too, even though, I mean, the last two games, they've they've beaten Maryland, they've they've beaten Michigan State. Yes, they tied with Wisconsin, who is the seventh seed, but at, before that, they beat Notre Dame as well. Uh, a close loss to Indiana, a close loss to Western Michigan, who I think, this is completely off topic, but I think we need to keep an eye on Western Michigan. If they win the MAC, there's no reason they can't make a run in the NCAA tournament. They were good when they played against Michigan State. They've beaten Michigan. That's a team we need to keep our eye on. That that aside, that's a little off track. But this Michigan team is kind of kind of on a little bit of a, a hot streak so far. I mean, they're they're producing. Jack Hallahan's finally scoring again. So I want to get your official prediction. Scoreline scorers on Sunday. Michigan, Michigan State. So Hallahan and Popovich are gonna score. Okay. Are they each gonna score one or more? They'll each get one. I don't know. I'm stuck between 2-2 two, two going to penalties or they hope Michigan gets the 2-1 win. Can you, can you decide between them right now? I'm try- I want to say 2-2. Two, Put you two, on the spot. You got to choose. But they haven't. State hasn't scored in four games. So in a way, it's tough to visualize two goals. It is. But. And we saw the last game at Michigan. Yes. I will say, last season, like I said, they scored one in their last four. And then they popped off for two against James Madison in the tournament. They popped off. They popped off isn't the right word. Scored two. Scored two against Louisville. Uh, who'd they play in the first round? UIC. They scored two early against UIC in the first round. So it's not, it's not out of the it's, question. And they have a full week to prep. You know, let's go 2-2 for Ryan Sterenberg. And who wins on penalties? Uh, that's, that's the money question. You know, not objectively, I'll have to say Michigan at home gets okay. it done. See, I'm going to go the other direction. I think that just 
This team sort of has the same feeling as last year. I think they make a run in the Big Ten tournament. So I'm going 3-1 Michigan State. I just said non-objectively. Objectively speaking, Michigan <laughs> on penalties. <laughs> objectively. Okay. Well, I think I think Michigan State wins 3-1. I think it's a Connor George hat trick. A Connor George hat trick. I'm going bold. It's a Connor George hat trick uh, with assists from two from Fry Mutatu and one from Alex Sternberg. Um, Popovich scores early, and Michigan State comes back. 2-1 at halftime, 3-1 full-time. That's a bold one. It is, and I, but I'm going bold. And then I think they make a run, and then I think they're going to get their hopes up, and then they're going to lose to Indiana in the Big Ten Tournament Final. I think Georgia's biggest involvement would more be assist to, like, the could be the incoming wide players. Could be. Of uh, course, he, he, scored, he has scored this season. So, yeah. I mean, a hat trick for anyone is kind of a bold take in a Big it's Ten game. It's a, true. In a Big Ten Especially Tournament Especially for a true game. freshman. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to predict, or at least I want you to predict, Adam. I'll give my predictions, too, but I want you to go first. I want you to predict the winners in all the other tournament games. So we have number eight, Ohio State, versus number nine, Rutgers. First, we'll go with that one first just because it's a play-in game. Who do you think wins that one? I'll take Ohio State. Okay. So Ohio State wins. They'll move on to play Indiana, number one, Indiana. Is there any way Ohio State gets it done? It's over by half. Over by half. What's the score at half? Three? Three nil. Three nil. Okay. Penn State, number two, versus number seven, Wisconsin. That's also going to be over by half. You think? <laughs> okay, but Penn State against Rutgers. That was a mix of a beat. And okay, it won't be over by half, but it'll be a comfortable win. Okay, comfortable win. And then the big one. I think this is an underrated matchup. This is a good matchup. Um, Northwestern, the number four seed, versus Maryland, the number five seed. Yeah, last time we talked about this, we thought it was going to be at College Park. But... Because think... of their stupid rules about who... Because it's not goal difference, which it should be. Well, I do like the head-to-head tiebreaker. I don't think Northwestern beats Maryland twice this season. I'll go with Maryland. Okay. I'm gonna, I think I might just agree on you with every single one. I think the Northwestern-Maryland game will be really close. I think it'll be like 3-2 Maryland. And but then, other than that, Indiana, no chance they lose. Penn State, no chance they lose. And I think Maryland gets through. Who's winning the whole thing? Indiana. Indiana? Yeah, no question. I would love to see a Penn State Indiana final. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would. Those, the second round's gonna be nice. It will. Well, it should. It should. Yeah. Okay, assuming everyone wins, the semis. Looking at Indiana, Maryland, and then Penn State versus the winner of the Michigan Derby. It'll be good. So that's it for Michigan State soccer. We're gonna move into a little Champions League soccer to start and. We're going to bring on our, our guests now. I've got to go unmute him on the switcher. So, Adam, fill us a, fill us a, a little. I want to know how you liked the Champions League this week because it was a pretty good week, I think. Your team won. It was a lot of good games. Give me your thoughts on just general Champions League this week. I mean, I loved it. Every res- Let me think. I think every single result I can think of went my way. Dorman got the big comeback win against Inter. Most stressful game I've seen Dortmund play in a very long time. Chelsea versus Ajax. I'm not like a diehard. I'm not really a Chelsea fan or anything, but I was completely with them for that comeback. So that was another nice one to see. You can you can hear him already. So we'll bring him on. Yeah. Our special guest, Mister Kyle Turk. Kyle, can you hear us? Yes, gentlemen. I was oh. wondering the, the first section where you guys turned my mic off. I was I was concerned, but now now all is well. You're good. You're good. We could we could hear you rustling. 
but I don't think viewers could hear you rustling because, like a smart man, I turned your mic off. Well, it's a good, it's a good job by you. Okay. You know, well, it's, it's very excellent to be on the show considering uh, I was one of the original members of Podcast FC <laughs> back in the uh, early days of Impact, uh, <laughs> Impact Soccer Podcast. The name has been revamped just a little. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm just going to lay it out there. You guys can have Podcast FC if you want it. Okay. Thank you. We'll keep that in mind. Now, I, I want to get your, in the pocket. your rating in the out of 10. How, how good is the name DeMartin Download? You know, I don't hate it. I wish I would have thought of it when we were around. Okay. I'll take it. Okay, so Kyle, you watched... I, I, I saw your tweets, so I know you watched Chelsea Ajax. It was 4-4, two red cards, a VAR review... I, it had it had everything. I just were you were you still breathing at the end of that game? Excellent match. Uh, probably the highlight of the week in Champions League. Questionable. The one thing uh, <laughs> you you see Chelsea come back from three goals down, and of course the two red cards helps that. But part of me almost wondered. They I think they had about twenty minutes to score a second goal, and and I did a good job holding on. It's not easy with. It's hard enough with 10 men, but 9, you know, Ian would probably know better than I would about how difficult it is to fend two men down. But, no, I'd say both sides were probably a little unsatisfied with the point. But, I don't know, both teams, I think they're both on track to progress from that group. I'm trying to think of who else is in that group with them. It's uh, Valencia's up there with them, and they're all the three of them are all level on points right now. That tie's got to help Valencia quite a bit. So it's a little bit of a dogfight going into yeah, the uh, I don't know. I, final I would, two I rounds. I still expect both of those two to progress. I think all things being equal. Yeah, Chelsea still has to go to Spain, so that's a big game for them. And then Valencia's... Valencia's been kind of up and down in La Liga, too. Yeah, they're so unpredictable. And they have a lot of things going on behind the scenes still. Yeah, exactly. So, the, no, the rest of the week was, uh, I don't know, this was an interesting week of Champions League stuff. You had City drawing with Atalanta yesterday, on uh, Wednesday. You know, I think, I, I'm trying to think if anyone's really lagging behind and not going to progress that should progress. That, that's the, We do have, so we have a, a lineup of games. We'll, we'll go to that one that I think a team that should progress that might not was, after they got beat up yesterday, Galatasaray. It was just a sad showing in the first 20 minutes, and they get they get pounded by Real Madrid. Rodrigo scores a perfect hat trick. Uh, do you, Kyle, do you think that's a this is you know kind of a bad sign for Galatasaray getting beat up like they did? And do you think they'll get out of that group? Well, you're gonna have to refresh my memory here. I don't have my laptop in front of me. Who else is in that group with them? PSG and Club Bruges. You think Galatasaray is supposed to progress? Yes. PSG and Real Madrid. They are a Turkish giant. Okay. Who, who, what was your preseason pick in that group? Well, who else do you think it could have been? It could have been PSG and Real Madrid. Yeah, I'll put yeah, you. No, no, yeah, not you. Galatasaray <laughs> should be competing more than they are in that uh, group right now. I, I, I They've got one point. They've got one point, Kyle. Yeah, that's a, because the other two teams in their group probably win them off of everybody. They should have at least three. Bruges is underrated. I wish Bruce no. would get some more love every now and then. They suck. Are they tied in, Bern- in the Bernabeu? When when they played, uh, I think they had a couple of matches against Everton back a couple of Europa Leagues ago, and they held their own. Uh, don't count out Bruce. <laughs> uh, that's a, 
I think that they'll go to the Europa League and maybe they'll make a run there. But I think Galatasaray's got to do something, and there's no reason they shouldn't be competing with with Real Madrid and, Gal- and PSG. Like, <laughs> I guess the way I'd say it is okay because going into the season, you kind of know PSG and Real Madrid are making it out of that group. But with how down, Ma- how up and down Madrid's been this year, to, exactly. lose, to lose both games to them is kind of. De- I feel like a team has to be disappointed with that, considering we saw what PSG did to them and we saw Bruges go and tie. Exactly. But in terms, exactly, it's not a usual Galatasaray <laughs> side, though. I mean, you look over, and I, I always compare them up against a team like Shakhtar Donetsk. And Shakhtar has always had a few guys every now and then that will get sold to these big teams. Fred. Galatasaray <laughs> do not exactly operate in that same kind of sphere, I guess. I guess. Okay, I, I want to get Adam so he can talk about the Dortmund Inter comeback and then get Kyle's thoughts on that one as well. But but Adam, this is a you had to be over the moon after this one. I mean, down two nil at halftime to Inter, and then Dortmund somehow just goes and wins at three two. Yeah, the whole halftime I was stuck between like we can come back, but we could also just end up being in the Europa League if we lose this game. So it was a real it was stressful. Royce wasn't playing, and you know things were looking just a little off at halftime. But in the second half, everything clicked. Everything went wrong for Inter. They couldn't do anything right. Hakimi turned into the best left-back, right-back, right-wing, left-winger in the world. <laughs> Sancho was playing all three attacking positions. Julian Brandt turned up in the second half after an iffy first half, ended up scoring. The magic of Paco continues. His first touch of the game was an assist and steal. So I'm feeling good. The team, they almost let me down, came through. I'm still sick of this defense. Laturo Martinez somehow bodied Akanji off the ball in, in a 50-50. And you can't get bodied off the ball as a center back, especially when the striker is like half your size. <laughs> and then Matt Hummels, no pace. Looked like he was slowly jogging behind Martinez. But on offense, I loved it. Hakimi's amazing. It's going to suck when he goes back to Real Madrid if we can't get him. If we can't make this loan permanent. Sancho pulled up injured, though, so that's the only concern of the... That's definitely not good. No, that's terrible. He's going to get reevaluated tomorrow. But otherwise, I'm going to just call it the best Champions League comeback of the weekend, considering we did it against <laughs> we did it against 11 men and actually won the game. Chelsea and Ajax is a better comeback. Turk, what do you think? Kyle, did you more, get to, did yeah, you get to watch? I think it might have been the more entertaining game of the two, but I don't know if it's the better. It, it's, they're both fairly good. Fairly interesting comeback. You mentioned uh, Kyle Walker going in goal, so and I think the, the the fact that he had to go in goal overshadows the fact that this is a, I think one of Atalanta's best results of all time. I realize I, I realize Probably. it's midweek in this Champions League, but tying possibly one of the best teams in the world, holding them to one one. So to give anyone backstory that doesn't know why Kyle Walker went in goal, uh, Ederson goes off injured. Claudio Bravo comes on for him. He gets sent off. Kyle Walker has to play goal because they don't have a third goalie on their bench. Uh, Kyle, did you watch this one? And uh, do you feel better as a Kyle that Kyle Walker has extended your brand t- so far? I caught the uh, extended highlights of this one, but no, this is a city team. Uh, they had Stones resting. They might have had Sergio Aguero resting as well, just as an eye on, on the weekend. I, I know that he didn't play the whole game. I think he got subbed off. Yeah, City he are in. in good position in that group. Uh, they're uh, they're at 10 points. I think the teams below them are both at 5. So they just need a point for the next two matches to get through. They'll get through. No big deal. 
Yeah, that's. I, what's... I don't know. I think city city in the Champions League. The the expectation I think is is going to depend on if they're continuing to challenge for the title in the Prem, because uh, frankly, this is kind of a put up or shut up year. I think in that competition for Pep. But the problem be if they're sitting there, if they're still seven or eight points behind Liverpool at Christmas, then you have to kind of play that weighing game of well, do we go all out for one competition or the other? And and what do you think makes that decision? Do you think that's it? If if it's seven or eight points at Christmas, you think it's just like uh, don't give the Premier League away. But if you've got conflicting matches, rest everyone in the Premier League and and play everyone in the Champions League. Well, they've got the squad to compete in both. That's that's, <laughs> that's true. I mean, once Laporte comes back, that'll help that too. But that's not going to be for a couple months more, I believe. Um, no, it's it's. I guess you you just sit back and I don't know if the time for them to analyze that is maybe right before the round of sixteen begins. Uh, I would expect them to field slightly weaker squads in those final couple of group stage matches. But that's not really the issue. I think once you get to Christmas, and I want to say those round of 16 matches don't start up again until February, or somewhere in that range. That sounds so accurate. you've got a little time to, to go through the league and see what happens. That festive, that festive period is always is always fairly busy when it comes to fixtures. Right. And uh, don't get me wrong, it'll test the, the playing capacity of that squad. But they've got enough guys that are of world-class quality to make it work. Speaking of their uh, title challengers, Liverpool. Liverpool kind of slid by Gank in the midweek, two-one win. I, I didn't watch it, so I don't know whether that scoreline was uh, representative of the game or not. But that's a perfect segue into our Premier League City Liverpool matchup re- preview uh, this weekend, which is the big reason we brought Kyle on today, just because uh, it's such a big game and being an Everton fan. Uh, we know we, how much he loves Liverpool. Yeah, we know how much he loves Liverpool and how much he'll be, be cheering for him. Mm, are you sure about that? Yeah, absolutely. I can tell it 100% straight as an arrow. Okay, well, so Liverpool sits atop the table, and it's it's a bigger gap than uh, I think anyone would have thought it would have been at this point. I, I don't think we would have seen this gap until maybe, I'd say, at least 16, 17 games in, but it's six points. 11 games into the season. Liverpool hasn't lost yet. Man City has lost twice. Hey, and don't count out Leicester and Chelsea right behind them. They're, they're staying in it. Uh, especially if, if City goes on and wins this week and Leicester and Chelsea win, suddenly it's five points between first and fourth. But uh, that's beside the point. Kyle, these two teams have been the Premier League teams for the last season. It was, it was just them that were going to win the title. So far, it's kind of looking like that. Um, do you think this is one of the best Premier League matchups in recent history? It's certainly got that that extra element of I don't know if this this matchup was always necessarily a rivalry. You know, oh no, I'd, got, I'd say no. They've got their big tool. They're, they've got their big two. They've got their Everton and their Manchester United. Right. But no, this this match is really it's one of those rivalries that comes about because of the teams that are involved with it. I liken it almost to Michigan State and Ohio State in football in recent years. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's actually that's a really good uh, analogy. Just because it's it came around, just because of they're they're so good and they 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 always need to beat each other. It's fairly local. It's not necessarily. I mean, they're they're competing for the same players in the transfer market to an extent. Um, and no, I think that this this match is really it's tough to. 
it's tough to overstate exactly how important it is in terms of the title. I I do kind of take umbrage with the fact that people are calling this one a decider so early in the season. Yes, Liverpool look good. Yes, you're going to be very surprised when they lose their first game of the season. We don't know when it's going to be. Or if it will happen. Or Well, you know, it's, it's tough to go out here after 11 games and call them uh, unbeaten challengers, well, you know? Like, I, I don't know if they're just, I don't know if they can do the invincible type of thing. I think the term decider may be a little off just because, and and this is one that I, instead of a decider, I'd call a six-pointer because if Man City wins, suddenly the gap's three points. That's a lot more uh, surmountable than six. But if Liverpool wins, the gap is nine points. We haven't even hit Christmas. And if they don't lose to Man City, who are they going to lose to? That's the question. No, exactly. And, and I was very impressed with the way they fought back at Villa. Um, that was a match where... I think Villa will almost regret not scoring yep. another one just because they are Liverpool is so good at fighting back, getting results out of nowhere. And that's down a lot, I guess, to just their style of play. It kind of demands that you're switched on defensively for all 90 minutes and more. more. And frankly, Aston Villa did not do that. And we don't know if there will be teams out there that play similar matches against the Liverpool where they can get a goal early on and try and set up shop. That that doesn't really work against a team like Liverpool because they're just going to keep coming at you. They're going to win the ball back high up the pitch, and then they're going to be able to get guys like Salah and Mane either on the break or just in situations where they're dangerous, which, frankly, is pretty much anywhere on the pitch. And, Adam, I know you're kind of invested in this team. Like, it's kind of that, – that's your EPL team. And the way Kyle has talked about it, they, the way they've come back this year – uh, they did it against Villa. They, I, I know they did it against Newcastle. Uh, I think they've done it other times. That they, they're not popping my head right now. But being invested in this team, does it almost feel like this year, like every time they come back, because it kind of the feeling of this is our year comes in, like this is a team of destiny? It does, but it also happened last year when there was like the double bounce against Everton. <laughs> double, yeah, the, the double, double doink. doink. The, uh, the comeback against Newcastle when Origi scored late again. But it does, like, it's already showing early in this season. You didn't mention the Milner 95th minute penalty against Leicester. Yeah, that's, when, yeah, that's when another the, one. When, they blew it, when it looked like they had blown it late. So mo- How about Barcelona? Oh, that too, with the backups. Don't, that, don't forget Barcelona. Going on quickly, Origi! That was the highlight of the bunch for me. I've watched those highlights more than I should admit. <laughs> but it's so reassuring that, like, you know the team isn't, they're not out at 1-0. Even right. at the 87th minute, apparently, they're still going to win the game. For, like, the mentality of a team that's kind of lab- After what happened last year, people kind of aren't taking the lead seriously. They think, oh, no, no lead's going to be safe for them. We, we, we Look at what happened last year. So it's good to see the resilience and how just how they respond every time it looks like they're about to face adversity. So, so Kyle, I, since you're an Everton supporter... Um, will you be uh, supporting Man City extremely um, fervently this weekend? There's not a doubt about that in my mind. You gotta remember, <laughs> City uh, City had a comeback of their own at the weekend against uh, against a Southampton yep. team that had just been battered. That is true. Oh gosh, 12-1 in two matches, something like that. That's just embarrassing. Well, yeah, that Leicester match was crazy. Don't get me wrong. Great to watch. I haven't, yeah, great, great if you had a 
Jamie Vardy on your fantasy team. Which, which I, I did. Which oh, I did, really baby. Excellent. So. Well, you know, that, that that Chad that we have is not as fantasy active as it once was. Right if for, I had yeah. known he had Vardy, I would have been congratulating you a long time ago. Mm. I don't check my team um, enough. No, it's, you know, this is definitely a match where I think those who are neutral and invested in the title race itself, a Liverpool win does you no good because it's nine points. Oh, the way the way Liverpool is playing, Adam, I don't know if you agree, but nine points is going to be very, very difficult for the for City or anyone to pull back if they can if Liverpool continues to play this way. Yeah, for sure. Again, because like the big game they have to get past is this one. So you have nine points and City out of the way. Title's over. You're really looking. It's, it'll trend that way. They, but they the can... thing is, they've, they've got to deal with that Carabao Cup, and Club World Cup, a little congestion. Uh, I think sometime next month, they go out to Qatar, and they have to go play in that stupid Club World Cup. Um, obviously, the Christmas period will test them, too. They've been they've been kind of fortunate with injuries so far. They did have Allison out for a stretch, but uh, no one else. I mean, actually, Chamberlain looks fantastic. His goal... Against the gank, the I think it technically was the winner. Yeah. Really well taken goal. Um, just turned around defender. Did not look like a central midfielder at all. And having him back, like fully fits, really been like the new signing for the team that didn't actually sign anyone this summer. Finally, exactly. having finally having him back in the rotation at a hundred percent. And but speaking of injuries, the Matip one could be a big test for them coming into this city game if he's not able to yeah. make it back in time. And I don't know how much. Liverpool people trust Lovren. I, I know I don't. <laughs> Not at He's all. the best defender on the planet. Yeah. Okay. Him and him and Ragnar Klava. Uh, those those days were uh, were the glory days under Klava. But but no, it's just I I do wonder and this I wonder. I mean, City has to go out there and at least play for a draw. I wonder if they might just because they can think to themselves, hey, it's the long season. There's still 27 other matches. Am I doing my math right? You are. 27 other matches. I don't know that Liverpool won't slip up at least one or twice like City did. It's like City did last year. They had that stretch in December where it was Palace and Leicester. And Didn't Newcastle I, I do know, it? I don't know how Newcastle did beat be. them. In yeah, Jan- yeah, January. Exactly. January 31st. So, so anything can happen, right? Anything can happen. It's a crazy league. So, so the, the big question now is, Kyle, is you got to give a prediction Score line, scores. Who wins? Who scores? You know, and here's the thing: both these teams are playing very high level coming into this. Um, th- this this prediction should come as no surprise. I do expect uh, I do expect Liverpool to give them a game. I'm not going to be surprised if they pull a result out, but I just couldn't bear to stomach that. I'll take City two one, Jesus, Sterling, and uh, Mane, of course, getting on the goal sheet. Okay. Mane's been in such a good run lately. He's. I wonder if he's the type that would, in the summer, look for a move to, say, Barcelona. I wouldn't even be surprised. Are, even though they've got that congested look and they wanted to bring Neymar in, Mane, I think it's... I get the sense with him that he's more of a flight risk than, say, Salah or Firmino. Now, Adam, do you agree with that? You think City gets it done? Or you think it's Liverpool's? Liverpool's? Not really a surprising prediction, I guess. But... I'm going Firmino, Mane, Salah, and Aguero. Assist for Firmino, Robertson, and Trent. Okay. We'll go all reliable for scorers and assisting. So we got a we got a little uh, dis, uh, discrepancy 
inside the studio on who's going to win the big one on is it Sunday? Sunday or Saturday? Sunday, 11.30. On Sunday, 11.30. Uh, Tarek, I got another question for you. Yes. Obviously, Everton, Everton-Liverpool is like the big rivalry. You wouldn't want to see Liverpool win. But does part of you not want to see England turn into a Manchester City monopoly? That will be their third in a row, fifth of the decade. Hmm. That's a fair question. And I, I get that. I think the, the usual ethos as an Everton fan is... It can happen to anybody as long as it's not Liverpool. We were over the moon when Leicester ended up winning the title mm-hmm. because it wasn't Liverpool. It can be anybody. It's just it cannot be Liverpool. Frankly, I was surprised the the I was not surprised that the Champions League final went down the way it did. And I don't know the the monopoly talk. It's I don't I do get why some English fans might think that way. I don't get the sense that they're really worried about that. I think it's more the fact that. One title for Liverpool, it'd be such that it'd be that big weight off the shoulders after the Gerrard slip, after letting the title go the way they did last year. I wonder if it would turn around and turn into a situation where they think that they've got the monopoly going now, where Klopp, Klopp doesn't look like he's going to leave anytime soon. Mm. Especially with Champions so League wonder, last year. I wonder if they would think that it's the start of an era for them. Oh, that would be horrendous. I see that. Liverpool supporters started thinking it was a, their era. And just gosh. Last one about the two teams. Forget who they're coaching. Who's a more like who's a more likable manager to you, Pep or Klopp? Oh, well, shoot. You're asking the wrong type of person to that kind of question because I think Klopp, the way he the way he plays the cameras might be worse than any manager I've ever seen. <laughs> He's it, only saying that cuz it's Liverpool. Yeah. Know, he I didn't mind when he was doing it in yellow and black. There's a difference between doing something animated and doing it in a way that you know you're on camera, you're going to get caught doing this reaction. Frankly, the, the moment he stepped over the line for me was in that double-doing game last year. And you're exactly where you were going with that one. You should have known a long time ago what I was going to say. Me and Adam looked at each other right before you said it. We were like, we know exactly what he's about to say. Name a single other manager other than uh, Alex Ferguson. Back in the nineteen early nineteen nineties, running onto the pitch like two or three steps, hey, and hey. a late winner that won him the title. A couple in in the early nineties. Go back that to the wasn't, uh... that wasn't halfway out of the pitch. That was two or three steps. <laughs> Go back to the Ronaldo winner against Man City in uh twenty twelve, and Jose Mourinho's knee slide onto the pitch. Mm. No, I, I will say nothing reached the Klopp level. <laughs> that was if if you didn't like him, that would be completely understandable why you completely hated that. But if you love him, and, it was amazing. The passion. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I do think, well, in terms of likability, I don't know. I think I'm sure the neutral fan over in England would probably pick Pep by a nose. But I don't know. It's. I think Pep is still the better manager of the two. I don't know that he's got the better squad technically currently right now. Once you once you take Laporte out of it, and once you take into account the way that. Liverpool just seem to have every single unit working together right now. The way their midfield works, you wouldn't expect someone like Jordan Henderson to be to look this good in this system. But he does. He gets goals, he's going forward, and he's he's got a major tactical responsibility now. And you wouldn't expect that from a player that frankly, I don't know if you agree with this, Adam. Jordan Henderson isn't some great player oh, he's, if, he's good he's good but he's not he's not a game changer uh, if Fabinho is or yeah. 
Or like a Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, if you go back an episode or two, uh, I was preaching that Klopp benches Jordan Henderson. Preferably exactly. in the near future for Nabi Keita or even Oxley chamberlain No, their best midfield is probably Keita, Fabinho, and, uh, and Oxley chamberlain Ooh, what, a little Wijnaldum slander? Oh, no, no, and Wijnaldum should be the next one off the bench. Not Jordan Henderson. I don't, I mean, I guess it's the, it's the captaincy thing. Don't get me wrong, Steven Gerrard put in a good season when he was that last year as captain before he, uh, before he lost in the title single-handedly. But... No, I, I'm very surprised that Jordan Henderson manages to look that good in that system. Interesting. Well, Kyle, thank you for coming on and being our first guest ever. Um, your takes are always appreciated, even if they're I get, incorrect. I don't get my I don't get my Everton rant off. Do you want it? If oh, you'd like an Everton rant, you may go ahead. You know, Wouldn't be right was, to have you with that one. I was told that Adam said, "Hey, as long as you come with an Everton rant prepared afterwards." Okay, you're go. Allowed, you're allowed to come on. The floor is yours. Uh, frankly, and this is something I've heard uh, a, a fair section of Everton supporters say, and I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. Would you consider Everton a, a bigger club? Yes. Some stature? Yes. I think they're yeah. like a Newcastle-type big club. Just a bigger That's club? Fair. That's fair. I guess, I guess the Newcastle comparison is kind of fair. I think Newcastle's a bigger club than Everton, and we can talk about that at, a, at another time. But You're lucky I'm not hanging up on you right now. <laughs> the big rival, 15th versus 17th. Yeah. Uh, 1995, last trophy. The, the, the longer that goes on, the more of a weight it's going to be. It's very similar to the, uh, to the Liverpool title uh, query. Quick fix. Go down, win the championship. Yeah, exactly. That's a trophy right there. That's how Newcastle does it. Or or even the playoffs. You get a little trophy for finishing third. We'll go and get the the check a trade trophy for finishing, for doing the, whatever the Johnstone's paint trophy used to be. Um, No, it's, the the way it looks to me right now is this is a team that, if you strip away the manager and you look at it from, from the top down, that's a, that's a squad that should be definitely finishing what, top eight, top seven, considering who's there right now. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. I would. I'd say top eight, definitely. Um, the Gomez industry definitely, injury definitely hurts them because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know how much you guys want to talk about that incident because I, if human song gave his little apology on, on camera, very, very contrived. There, I, very... I, I agree. I think there was intent in that challenge. I don't think he wanted to injure him the way he did, but there was the way he ran around before he made that challenge. He was like a bull with his head cut off. Go back to his time with Leverkusen. He he's not exactly a, a he's not a dirty player, but he, no. he's definitely known for moments where he will he will get you know see red for a second, and and he's had some weird incidents before. There's an I think there was. There's video I caught of him maybe kicking a player who was on the ground when he was Leverkusen and got it red for that. He's he's had he's picked up reds before with Spurs, so you know. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure he wasn't trying to injure him when that happened, and it was a freak injury to begin with. But no, Gomez is a very influential player. They do miss the, the signing that they brought in, João uh, Felipe Gabani, over from uh, from Mainz in Germany. He played two games and then got hurt, and then. Got hurt again, so no. This this squad is supposed to be so much better than they are right now. 
and I don't know if they have an identity going forward. I don't know what their plan is yep. in three years. Identity is a good word. I don't. I don't know if they have an identity either. Obviously, the the intent is to go forward, and, and maybe this Carabao Cup is potentially the, the turning point for them. Should Marco Silva somehow find a way to win it? I don't know if they can with the teams that are still left, and they've got to go host Leicester, I think, in a couple weeks. But, no, this is a I, – I look at them play week in and week out, and I think to myself, how can a group of players with this much talent in, in a system that doesn't look like it's broken, they tactically do not look like they're being outclassed week in and week out. They managed to be on the wrong end of so many different decisions – they managed to be on the wrong end of so many individual plays. Egan's got to be tearing his head watching Newcastle concede late goal, <laughs> late winner after late winner. And frankly, take take the fact that Everton might have had three or four different VAR-related results go against them in the last two weeks. It's still very unacceptable results. Yeah. You don't expect you don't expect a challenge for the top whatever and go out to lose to Brighton, and you don't. Uh, I mean, frankly, they looked okay against Spurs, but it only took a sending off to do it. And, and I don't know. It's just I, I get the sense that Marco Silva, I don't know if he's one of the things where he needs more time or not, but the, the, the idea that certain clubs expect too much out of their managers and then continue to fire them and then continue to expect more out of the next guy, continue to fire them, that's not exactly the right way to go about doing it. But at the same time, there's a big trophy drought to to correct. There's a new stadium coming in three or four years. Looks fantastic, by the way. I don't know if you guys have seen the plans for it. It does. It that's, does. Didn't know you guys would leave in Goodison Park. No, and I, I do. That's my one goal is to get out to Goodison before, they, uh, before they're out of there. But I think I've got a little bit of time to take care of that. And no, it's just you guys know that they should be challenging for a little bit more. And it's frankly, I don't know if Silva's the right person for it, but the other part of it is, I don't know if I really connect to Silva. I don't know if I connect to the players because they're all, they're all frankly a little bit new. You don't have your Jagielkas or your Baines around to, uh, or even your Tim Howards. It's, it's a very different looking Everton team than it was rally in the late well, 2000s. Like, I'm I mean... A, Big Richarlison guy. I do enjoy the way uh, Luca Dean is already a favorite of mine just because he's such a quality left back. He's right up there with Robertson. I don't know. Robertson is, is a guy that can actually go and get goals with his head, which, frankly, I don't know if that's something Dean can do. But The weird both. the weird thing with this Everton team, though, is I, I felt when I was growing up and watching Everton, it was always based on just guys that just get it done. Like it, it wasn't the most skilled Hard guys. Workers. Exactly. Like the Pinars, Leighton Baines. Uh, who was that one? Was it Javicic? Javic or something like that up top? Yelovich. Yeah. I mean, take, 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 your, take your pick. Exactly. And, and I even think like a, that's a guy like Tom Davis, and I think he should be in the side every week just because he embodies that, that Everton thing. Uh, fans, have, and, fans have been crying out for. Yeah, and, and it's just a thing. This, this this Everton side is no longer built on that. It's a lot more skilled players. Um, it, and I think the thing is, they don't always mesh well together. Uh, and I think that was the biggest thing about why those late 2000s Everton teams were good is because they meshed well together and they were a team. And the other thing, that, and that's a good point that you bring up too, the, I, I, I don't necessarily fault their work ethic because it's not exactly like 
they don't strike me as an Arsenal type team that has no mental fragility and, and you question their heart every single week. The the situation remains though. They had the skill guys and they could make it work. But I don't know if it's one of those things that takes time to do. They still struggle, I think, to find out what the best role is for everybody up front. Richarlison looks good sometimes on the right, looks good sometimes on the left, looks good sometimes the striker. I think you have to build the team around him a little bit because he's got that game that can work yeah. in today's Premier League. He's got enough strength to get past the challenge. He can beat a guy with he can beat a guy with skill. He can do this and that. But I like the Awobi signing. I just don't know if he's been influential enough. I liked the I liked the Moise Keane signing. They got him for dirt cheap, but he's 19 years old and has to still embed himself in an entirely different country. So it's just it's a very big mess right now, and I don't know if they have the patience to let Silva solve it, and I don't know if sacking him would be one of the things that sets them back for six months, or if it sets them back for two years. Right. It's not the situation you want going into a new stadium. Well, that's Kyle Turk and his rant. Have you got all your Everton rants out, Kyle? You feel you feel better? I would feel really really good if they were to go into Anfield next month and just pull off some shock result, like just some really scrappy, like get a late sending off, put 10 at the back if they just scratch out a 1-0. Don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting it to happen. But but please, just give us something. We haven't had anything in a long time. Well, you guys you guys are going to St. Mary's this weekend, so maybe you can pull off a Leicester yeah, no, result. Maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll get scored on nine times as <laughs> as punishment. I just every you go into a week and as an Everton fan, and I'm sure Ian has to feel a similar way as a Newcastle fan. You just go into a week and you're like, man, what are we gonna get this get time? They, they yeah. What's well, frankly for a we should get a result, and then the B comes is how how is it gonna happen this time? Yeah, and. And to have it have bright, I think Brighton was, uh, it was just very highly comical to me. I've, <laughs> I've been ingrained with Everton for four or five years now, and I've seen enough of the results that, that typify this team and this club. I've seen enough to start just, you know, start laughing and, and having a good time about it. And that's really what being a football fan is all about, right? It is. That's exactly just what laugh, being a football fan is. At your team's misery. Exactly. It's a tough one to do. Okay, well, Kyle, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I, I'm sure we'll hear from you in the future. Uh, and thanks for being the first ever guest on the DeMartin Download. I'll see you for the Merseyside Derby, Adam. Oh, can't wait. Good talking to you. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Um, we do have to uh, move on real quick. We've got Derek Lasker and MLS Cup coming up. Um, we'll have to move through them kind of quick. Adam does have class pretty soon. Uh, but, Adam, I want to give you the floor for Dirt Classicer, and then we'll move on to MLS Cup. So it's it's always a stressful occasion going away to Bayern. I'm going to just run through the last like five years of us going to go going to Munich in league play. We lost their 5-0 last year, 6-0 the year before, 4-1 the year before that, 5-1 the year before that, and 2-1 the year before that. That's, so, n- that's not good. It's a bad stretch. And Royce might be out, and Sancho might be out, as I mentioned earlier. But I have hope. Besides the fact Why? That, besides the f- <laughs> Lewandowski is 100% going to score, probably going to score first in the game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than one. But besides that, 
Bayern fired their coach, Niko Kovac, last year, last week after they lost 5-1 to Frankfurt. So there's turmoil inside of the dressing there's room. There's turmoil. Their assistant coaches, I mean, was he just, we'll see if he's just a mere image of Kovac. I know he was Germany's assistant coach when they won the World Cup. I don't know how to buy how much to buy into something that was five years ago. One of their center backs has a red card. The other center back has a torn ACL. So it kind of makes up for the attacking players we're missing. Now I see the hope. <laughs> and we just look good in the last few weeks. We just we week week singular. We just had the Inter win. Go back to the Wolfsburg win in the game before that against Gladbach. Our attacking for force is really. They're starting to click. Thorgan and Brandt have had their best games as Dortmund players in the last couple of weeks. And ha- I'm not going to be surprised if Hakimi scores. I'd love it if Sancho could play. I have a little more faith in him making it into the squad than Royce just off the way the injuries looked. But I don't know what's up with them. But just to get straight to the prediction, <coughs> I think I'm going to go 3-2 Dortmund. Really? We get it That down. hopeful. That hopeful. Lewandowski is going to score both for Bayern. He'll make it 1-0 and then bring it back to 2-2. Okay. But in Hakimi, we trust he'll definitely score. Confident. I like it. I like the hope. It's good to have hope. It'd be one of our biggest wins in a while. It if would. We finally, it really would. Probably since think about it. Dortmund went to Munich in the... See, we won there in between all that, in those blowouts, when we went there in the German Cup in 2017 and ended up winning it. So we, I have hope. Okay. It, it can happen again. It has to happen in the league eventually. We can't lose every single time we go to Bayern by three, four, or five. Right. Hopefully not. You would think. You would think. You, know, you it, would think. It could go on a little longer. But you never know. Okay, so that's your prediction. 3-2 Dortmund. Yes. He's got to hope. Okay. We've got one more big game to preview. It's the MLS Cup. It is the culmination of one of the best playoffs we've had in a while, I think. Even though they moved to the darn one-leg games. Uh, if you want to hear me and Adam converse about how stupid one legs are instead of two legs, re- uh, refer to our previous episode, episode two. That's where you can find that And if you want to see how I feel about this final, you can also tune into that episode. <laughs> and uh, we, we, asked, we asked Damon Rensing about his thoughts on the MLS Cup, and um, I'm playing these from my computer, by the way, and I'm at 3%, so if we cut out in the middle, I'm so sorry, but we're going to go now before, we, before the computer dies. Here's what Damon Rensing had to say about the MLS Cup. Whoever predicted Seattle-Toronto, they were wrong. <laughs> Whoever said they did predict that was, was wrong. Um, but, uh, but no, I um, can't count Toronto out. Altidore is questionable if he, he plays, but Smetzer has done such a good job with Seattle, so I'll, I'll pull for Seattle. <laughs> so Damon Renting's going Seattle. Uh, and I think he's completely right that if you guessed the the final would be Seattle Toronto at the beginning, that there's come on, there's no way. No, there's no way. I know I didn't. After the season LAFC had, I did predict they, that Seattle would make it to the final. I just want to put that out there. You did call them the, the team of destiny. They are. It's just it. It's the Seattle effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. They're just good at MLS. That's that's all it is. They're good at MLS. That's all it is. Uh, I, I, not even my wildest dreams would I have predicted that. Uh, Toronto would have made it, but that's where we are now, and um, I think there is zero chance that Toronto wins. Uh, my prediction is Seattle, and I think we've had a good playoff, so it's going to be a boring final. I th- not boring, but it, it won't be a very exciting final. That's the common equation. We saw it in the Champions League last yeah. year. 4-0, Seattle. 4-0. Four- 
Four nil Seattle. <laughs> that's that's a bold one. It is. But I, what's honestly, the biggest MLS Cup win ever? I feel like three one's the highest score, or like the biggest win. Like biggest. Mm. I'll know, look it up. Has anyone ever won by three? I don't know. But what's your what's your prediction? I'm, I'm gonna stick with my two nil Seattle. Nicholas Ladero getting both. You think? I don't think Toronto's ever gonna find themselves in the game. Just going off that Seattle game plan they had against LAFC. If, not that you necessarily treat the two the same, but I don't see them break. I don't see them shaking after that one. So the highest scoring one was four to two. Uh, the San Jose Earthquakes beating who they beat? Oh, it doesn't even say. <laughs> It just says, in a hotly contested match, the Earthquakes won their second MLS Cup title with a 4-2 score, making it the highest score in MLS Cup in league history. doesn't tell me when, doesn't tell me against who, but that's what it was. Okay. And, I mean, 4-2 is higher scoring than 4-0, so right. that doesn't necessarily eliminate that from the equation. But the margin of victory, it might be the biggest if Seattle gets it done. Yeah. I just think they will. I'd... Like, Toronto's got here, but I'm it's not you. the same Toronto team that's been in the past couple years. Also, I think it's a very underrated fact that it's the... <sighs> Third Seattle Toronto final in the last four years. Yep. That's crazy. And the fact that we don't think of those two as dynasties is also crazy. Just because of how good a season LAFC has had. And Vela, Vela did win the MVP, beat Zlatan out for it, as he should have done. Um, so I think that's the right call. Him winning MVP. Just unfortunate that he's not in the final. Yeah, and also unfortunate that the third place runner of Joseph Martinez and Joseph Martinez and Atlanta aren't in the final either. So but, none of the MVPs. That just tells you, MLS, maybe not a league of superstars. Maybe you should stick the two legs and we'd see the, the better teams <laughs> in the finals. Who knows? It could be. That could be very true. But uh, so we both think Seattle's going to get it done. Yep. No disagreement here. No chance for Toronto? No chance? No scenario in which they win? I gave them no chance to make the final, so I guess <laughs> that doesn't really – it won't mean much coming from me, but no, I don't think they have a shot. Okay. So Seattle wins the MLS Cup. You heard it here first. Don't even watch the game. Yeah, Seattle's going to win. Just check the box score after. You'll see two Nicholas Ladero goals. Just t- just tune into DeMartin Download next week, and we'll tell you all about how Seattle won because that's exactly what's going to happen. All right. So that does us for this week. What an episode. Yeah, what like, an episode. It's a sick one. First guest caller, first sound from coach. And if you stuck with us this long on Facebook Live especially, thank you. But we have gone over an hour for the first time ever. We're just reaching milestones left and right here. Um, But yeah, what an episode. So good. So many matches this weekend. Uh, We hope you enjoy them. Uh, We're going to enjoy them. I know that. I'll enjoy them. Um, We will be in Ann Arbor for Michigan, Michigan State. Me and Adam are both going. Um, So tune in for updates throughout the game on Twitter, for the the post-match, halftime, and pregame stand-ups. We'll have all the coverage. Not in that order, of course. Right. The opposite order. But we'll have it. We'll have all the coverage. So we we hope, as always, that you found this episode in the great words of Ray Hudson. Majesty, Ariel! Join us next time.